Hey, guys. You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? Welcome to Season 6 of the Raise Your Game Show, a podcast that zeroes in on the proven principles and time-tested strategies of high performance in sports and business. I'm your host, Alan Stein Jr. And this season, I chop it up with an array of high performers from a variety of different fields and with a variety of different areas of expertise to find out the habits, mindset, and disciplines they've developed to not only raise their game, but to sustain it as well. More specifically, I will find out what they have done and what they continue to do to manage stress, avoid stagnation, and beat burnout. After all, it's one thing to reach the top. It's another to stay there. I hope you enjoy, and more importantly, I hope you benefit from the wisdom they bestow and that it helps you raise and sustain your game. That's what I'm talking about. Speaking of raising and sustaining excellence, every student, athlete, and coach on the planet needs a game plan to maximize their potential on and off the quarter field. Your Game Plan is an online course that does just that. It's a proven practical blueprint for raising athletic and coaching performance. Regardless of sport or level, if you are committed to excellence and to mastering your craft as either a player or a coach, you need to check out MakeYourGamePlan.com. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Ted Lasso, a Premier League European soccer coach had to say. For me, success is not about the wins and losses. It's about helping these young fellas be the best versions of themselves on and off the field. <laughs> if you believe what Coach Lasso believes, then check out MakeYourGamePlan.com. Once again, that's MakeYourGamePlan.com. Before I formally tee up this episode and introduce my guests, are you open-minded to helping me out? Would you please be kind enough to do me two small favors? First... Will you make the time to subscribe, rate, and review this show? Second, will you take a screenshot or a picture of whatever device you're listening on and post on Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook and tag me at Alan Stein Jr.? Go ahead. I'll wait. two things will take you less than two minutes and will do wonders to not only spread the powerful teachings of high performance around the world, but more importantly, it will feed my delicate ego, pump up my self-esteem, and give me the much-needed attention and validation I desperately seek from complete strangers. You can do it! My entire self-worth hinges on podcast reviews and social media shout-outs. My sense of fulfillment is in your hands. So I'm begging you, please. In this episode, I got a chance to rap with serial entrepreneur and exponential thinking practitioner, Mark Tim. Mark is the co-author of the recently released book, Mentor to Millions, Secrets of Success in Business, Relationships, and Beyond. This book is easily one of my top reads of 2020. To learn more about Mark's amazing work and to order his book, please visit marktim.com. That's M-A-R-K-T-I-M 
m.com. Here are the impactful lessons and strategies from our chat. Let's do it. It's go time. Number one. In this clip, Mark discusses the relationship between being successful in business and being successful at home. If you can win anywhere in work, you can win at home. You know, like you don't have to, you know, you don't have to like, uh, you know, sit down and have this whole new plan to, you know, for your family. You can basically say, what am I good at? Like, what am I good at in work? Am I, am I good at marketing? How do I apply that at home? Like, you know, my, one of my favorite things, and, and I may have shared this with you before, but you know, we, we, uh, I'm pretty good at marketing. And so we decided, you know, that our family had value. Like we had a, uh, a value as a family, like we had a brand, we had a, our family had a brand. So we ended up actually, um, doing a logo for our family. And the coolest part is, is that we hired the same, the same crowdsourcing group that did the logo for my business, we hired to do it for the family. Now, when I say crowdsourcing, I'm talking, I think we paid $99, like under a hundred bucks. And, uh, um, and we, at one point we had 185 logos from designers around the world, 185 logos for our family, Wow! you know, and it was, it was one of the coolest things that we probably ever done as a family was creating a family logo because everybody had buy it. But my point that I'm getting at is, is that I was doing that in all my businesses. Every one of my businesses has a logo, a mission statement. I'm good at that. So why not be good at that at home? And then what it did is it brought our whole family together and said, wait a minute, we have a purpose. We have an identity. We have a brand. And so it made the conversations about parenting go to the whole next level. You know, so, you know, it's just, yeah. So those are, those are the kind of undercurrents that are in the book. You know, we, we call the book mentor to millions, but the millions was not money. It's it's impact. And the biggest impact you can have, in my opinion, on planet earth is the impact of your family and the mentorship of your family. Well, I mean, at the beginning, of course, the kids were like, oh, family logo, you know, yeah, right, dad. But then when, when they, what happened was when all these designers started submitting designs and then the kids were like, oh, well, I don't like that. I really yeah. like that. And I like that color right? and I want that color. And all of a sudden it was like buy-in, buy-in, yeah. buy-in, ownership, DNA, you know, and it was like, so when it was done, they're so daggone proud of this thing. They want to put it on everything. Absolutely. T-shirt, hat, uh, you know, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And so, so I decided, you know, so we did that a lot as a family. But then as each of our kids, uh, so, you know, Alan, my kids are now young adults. So I only have one of the six left at home. And so um, we, I decided when they turn 18, I actually took the family logo and like turned it into a crest. And I, I, and I mean, I like turned it in. I mean, I spent quite a bit of money making a plaque out of it. And uh, for the boys, I I did a certain message for them about manhood and for the girls, you know, a different message, but uh, I want that family logo to be with them forever, you know, but the biggest thing is it wasn't like we, what all did we put it on? It was the fact that we did it 
and the fact that it was that they did it actually not that we did it that they did it uh is what really mattered and and i wish i i, I should have a copy you know handy to, to share but the we couldn't decide on the final color scheme um and so the boys wanted this black and gold version and the girls wanted this one that had pink and blue and we're like it's the same logo it's just different colors so we ended up going with two versions of our logo so one has got like a black and gold feel and one's got a pink and blue feel so that everybody had that kind of uh, uh, awesome feel, you know, around it. All of the stuff that we did. So from our, our family meetings, our shareholder meetings, you know, I legally incorporated our family. I legally incorporated it. So it's a 2B Tim's LLC, the logo. What it did is it taught uh, all of our kids about business and about Absolutely. marketing. And so now as young adults, they're referring back to those things we did, you know, in our family bonding moments. And they're starting to, you know, our oldest has decided he wants to be an entrepreneur. And so now he's like, like last night I had a phone call with India. I've got a business that I'm doing over in India and he comes in just to say hi. And within like a minute, he's like, Hey, can I just sit down and listen? And he spent, you know, an hour, you know, he really came to see me last night because he had yeah. some questions for me, but he's like, how often do you do that call? And I said, every Monday, you know, every Monday night. And he's like, well, can I come over and listen in on that call every Monday? And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, I learned so much listening to you talk. And so, you know, so it's like that transcended. And so what do they say? Uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second yeah. best time, you know, is today. Yeah. And so really I planted a tree. I planted seeds in their head around business through using family and now it's growing and I'm actually seeing it bear fruit in our oldest and, you know, and, and in all of them, I mean, you know, that's the framework. They, they used to hate me being an entrepreneur. Like they used to hate it because I traveled all the time. I was missing things. They hated it. But the fact is, is that now they love it because they just, they learn so much. But it, if I had not made my family, my most valuable business, if I had not started giving them my first and my best, mm -hmm. then I would have, th then it wouldn't be that way. I mean, they may still hate the fact that I'm an entrepreneur and, and we may not have the relationship we have today, but because I decided that, that my family was going to be the most valuable business I will ever own, ever operate, ever even be a part of, it changed everything for them and it changed everything for me. And now as a, you know, as a, a father of young adult children, I'm bearing, I'm getting to see the fruits of, of that investment because I'm seeing all of these life's lessons come full circle and they come to me for wisdom. You know, it's, it's a, it's a cool thing. <laughs> I love that. Number two. In this clip, Mark gives his thoughts on having your children choose you as a mentor in life. I mean, remember what it felt like when your kids reached up and grabbed your hand for the first time, like they'd started walking and maybe they started to stumble and they saw your hand, they grabbed your hand or they're, or they're beside you. And I mean, it just melts your heart. Like oh, you're yeah. just like, want to remember that moment forever. But then your kids are old enough now that probably a couple of them have let go of your hand because they're too cool for school and they're not going to be caught holding dad's hand. Right. Absolutely. And so, and so, so then you're like, oh my gosh, that is over. Like, 
you know, that period is over where they couldn't, you know, they just wanted to hold dad's hand anywhere you went. They just slide their hand up in there. You didn't even know how they did it. They just like <laughs> slid it up in there and they're just holding your hand all the time. Then they let go of your hand. And then you go through this next kind of decade and, you know, and it's like, uh, they're, they're testing you. They're trying to figure things out. And if you become the mentor, if you become the CEO of your family, if you become the mentor that they need in their life, before they leave your house, so your kids are, are not at that age yet, but before they leave your house, they will reach up and grab your hand a second time. Yeah. But this time, what they're saying is, I choose you. I choose you to be my mentor. I choose you to be my coach. I choose you to show me how to be a, a college student, a coworker, a friend, maybe a father or a mother someday but I choose you because you are who I want to mentor me. Now, here's the powerful thing about that. They're going to choose somebody. So if they don't choose you as a parent, they're going to choose somebody else. And you want them to choose you because when they choose you the second time, you get to be their father or mother for the rest of their life. And, and I'm, I'm seeing that. Like they, they've chosen me to be their mentor in life so, I mean, there's, there, I got six kids and there are days that I hear from all six of them, you know, with questions, with, you know, with just with uh, wins and with fears and with uh, um, failures, you know, but when they, when they need somebody, they, they reach out to me and, you know, and it's because I invested in them and, and I made them my most valuable business. And so they know I will always be there for them. I will always give them the best you know, that I can offer to them. And it's because of that commitment. Now, I got to tell you, it, in all transparency, uh, I got it wrong longer than I got it right. Like, wow. I'm only on the, I'm on the shorter end of this curve. I, I, I'm telling you about the things that are working well, but I didn't figure this out till about seven or eight years ago. And so, and I've got kids that are in their 20s. So, you know, so I know what it feels like to get it wrong and I know what it feels like to get it right. And that's the only reason I can even talk about it. It's not like I was the perfect father or, you know, the perfect husband. I wasn't, I, I made a lot of mistakes, but I, what I was good at, I've always been good at being an entrepreneur. I've always been good at business. And it was when I started making my family, you know, my most valuable business. I mean, in the book, Mentor to Millions, you know, that's what we talk about. We talk about business, but we take all those business lessons and we apply it back to your family. And, and I think that's, you said it yourself at the beginning, when you're in sync at home, it just puts you, you know, doubly in sync in everything else you do in life. And so you want, that's what you want. That's the holy grail of, of uh, parenting is to win at home like you're winning in other areas of your life. You're so wise. Number three. In this clip, Mark shares what gave him the awareness to shift and to make sure his children learn to apply business principles at home. All right. So spoiler alert here. Yep. So here's the book, Mentor to Millions. I'm going to read to you the very, how the book opens up. Please. Halfway up my driveway, I realized I didn't want to go home. Now, the reasons for not wanting to go home should be... I filed for bankruptcy. I lost a lot of money. I, you know, I just, uh, I just lost a big sale or a big customer. But for me, the reasons for not wanting to go home that day 
was I just had one of the best days of my life in work. I had, I, I had made, I made the biggest sale I'd ever made in my life. I, I made every decision I felt like I made with confidence and clarity. And I was sitting at the end of my driveway because I knew the second I walked in my home, all of that feeling would be gone. That I was leaving a world of confidence and clarity and entering a world of chaos and confusion. Mm. And it was at that moment that it was, I call it my driveway moment. And we all have driveway moments in our life. Like it's, uh, it, it's like that crossroads where we know that something is wrong. We know that that a change has to be made and we can choose the right or the left. You know, we can choose, okay, go this way or go this way. Keep doing the same thing, even though you know it's wrong or make a radical change differently. And what I knew that day was that that euphoric feeling that I felt I should be feeling for my family. Like I should not be able to get home fast enough to tell them, but here's the problem. My family didn't even understand what I did. So it wouldn't matter if I told them anyway. They didn't, they didn't like what I did because I, I was gone all the time. It competed with them. I was on my phone all the time. And so, you know, so it wouldn't have mattered if I came home with all of this news. And I just knew at that moment that I had my entire life upside down. Mm. And it was at that moment that I said, wait a minute, what if, okay, this is the big what if moment. It's my driveway moment. What if everything I was doing in work was practice? so that I could perfect it at home. Oh, wow. What if, you know, what if everything I did in business was the warm-up laps so that I could run the race at home? And, and that's when I realized that I had to change everything in my life and that my family had to get my first and my best and that I needed, my family had to become my most valuable business. And I didn't know how to do that so I literally just turned my family into a business. Like, you know, we, my, my youngest daughter has the same amount of shares that I have. Um, you know, we started having shareholder meetings. We, you know, we talked about marketing. We talked about bottom line. We talked about budgets. I mean, I went so far as to my kids, when they went into middle school, they got a debit card from the family business. <clears throat> and what, what we did, my wife and I sat down and we figured out everything we spent on the kids, clothing, <clears throat> going out with friends, movies, everything. And we put it on a debit card every month. And we said it was their salary from the family business, but they, they didn't get anything from mom and dad. So if we were at the store and they said, oh, hey, can I have this? We'd be like, sure. You know, we went from being parents that said no all the time. And by the way, your kids, by the time they leave your house, will have heard the word no 85,000 times, okay, 85,000 times on average, you know, it means that, and, and you think I'm wrong, but then listen to yourself the next time your kid does something wrong. It's not, no, it's no, 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 no. You know I mean? It's like, it's like 10 times right there in a span of two seconds. So we went from being no parents to being yes parents. And we got to say yes to everything. But when they ran out of money, they were done for the month. Like no money, no fun. You know, you want to spend all your money on a pair of tennis shoes? Great, but you got nothing else for the rest of the month. And so it gave us a chance to teach them <clears throat> about business, about finances, about budgeting, about accounting. And <clears throat> we let them fail. And they failed a lot. Like they failed a bunch in this area, this finance area. 
But now I'm here to tell you, my oldest son, not a penny from me, but he became so fiscally responsible as a result of this learning that he just bought his first house for cash and he's fixing it up and flipping it. And, you know, and my, my third son, so one, two, three. So the, the youngest son has an investment account that would make adults blush because he is such a saver and, you know, and he bought, he could have afforded a, a, a much nicer car, but he bought a less expensive car so he could invest more in the stock market. And he started investing at the right time. You know what's happened to the stock market over the last so many months. And he's got a very impressive portfolio because he learned from us under our roof. He made mistakes with us. And so that's the kind of thing we did. We just took, we just took the things that we knew in business and we applied them at home. And then our kids, you know, benefited from it. That's the smartest thing I've ever heard anyone say about anything. Number four. In this clip, Mark talks about how he presented the concept of running the family like a business to his wife and children and how they reacted to his unusual proposition. So that driveway moment, my driveway is about a half a mile. So you can't see where I was sitting. You can't see from the house. So I suppose if they were looking out the door, when I had that moment, I like, I, I like everything changed. It was like a lightning bolt, like clarity that I'd never had before. I floored it. I sped up the driveway faster than I should have. I'm promising you. <laughs> and I, I pull in the house. I run in. <clears throat> I grab my wife. I'm like, I got to talk to you. Got to talk to you. I'm convinced that she didn't understand a word I was saying at that moment because I was just so hyped up and, and I knew what I was supposed to do. But she saw passion. Yeah. She saw commitment. She saw purpose. And that's all she needed to see from me as a husband and, you know, and as a co-parent of this, this business. And so she said, I'm in, I, I don't, I don't think she knew what that meant. She just said, <laughs> I'm in, let's do it. And then we, we called the family together and I explained what was going to go, ha- go down. And they were like, I've never seen so many eyes roll in my life. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were just like, no way, this is, this is ridiculous. There's no way we're going to do this. And, and I could tell that it was going to take commitment. And it was going to take uh, me really being consistent. And so, you know, it, admittedly, we started making family meetings fun and we had some desserts. I mean, we, we bribed them. Okay, yeah. that's, that's fair. Of course. You know, but, but, but still there was this missing element that wasn't in sync. And then I realized what I had to do. I had put on this persona of always being strong and, and had it together and, and never let them see me sweat or cry you know, I mean, I'm, I'm this powerful entrepreneur and my kids are going to be strong because of me. And I realized that was part of the problem. And so I called a family meeting and I sat down and looking back, um, I can tell you as a man, I don't think I ever felt weaker in my life because I apologized for not being the father that they needed uh, for the mistakes I made as a husband to, to mom and for, for not being there the way that I was there for my businesses. And I took ownership for all the mistakes that I'd made. Now that moment I felt weak, but my adult children would tell you that in their entire memory bank of me as their father, that moment, that night, they've never seen me stronger. Yeah. Because it doesn't take any strength to fake it. 
it takes real strength and courage to be vulnerable, to be exposed, to take responsibility, to own your stuff. And it was actually that moment that began this whole journey of us as a family business, because it was that moment that they, mm -hmm. they saw a father they could follow. They saw a man that was willing to take responsibility for his actions. And, and that was somebody that, that could lead this family. And, and that was the turning point for our family. And from that point on for years, we held family meetings every Sunday night. Everything I learned in business, I brought home. Yep. Uh, I went for three years. Uh, for three years, I didn't make a single business trip without one of my kids with me. And wow. so, you know, one, my freshman, my, my middle daughter left high school her freshman year to travel with me for an entire year as my personal assistant. And she went on over 30 trips with me. Over 30 trips, she went with me in a, in a single year. Oh and the relationships that I built with these kids in hotel rooms and Ubers on plane rides was so deep that that's why they chose me to be their mentor and they chose their mom uh, to be their mentor because of the relationships that we forged during those times. There's just, I wish I could say that I could do all of this stuff at home, but, um, but we have our own routines and stuff. And so when I was traveling, they would, they would listen to a speaker and then they would ask me questions. They would attend a mastermind and they would ask me questions. You know, so much of what happened was caught, not taught. And then it, it gave this framework for more discussions. And so it was just, it was super powerful. You're the smartest guy I ever met. Number five. In this clip, Mark discusses how winning at home made his business even more successful. I have a business that is now, uh, it will be 10 times more successful. Uh, uh, we're on pace to be 10 times more successful than any business that I had had prior to that driveway moment. Okay. But here's the cool part. All of this that we've talked about. Okay. I, I still drive the same truck that I was driving that day in the driveway. I still live in the same house. Yeah. I still have the same wife. I still have the same kids. So the only thing that changed that day was me. Yeah. It was just me. It, and, and what changed was between my ears. Like nothing else changed. So many times we think we've got to move or we've got to have something different or start to do, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of radical thinking we have and it, it involves massive change. But in truth, if we simply change what's between our ears and the way we're thinking, everything can change. Um, can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? So many times we think we've got to move or we've got to have something different or start to do, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of radical thinking we have and it, it involves massive change. But in truth, if we simply change what's between our ears and the way we're thinking, everything can change because my wife has been changed forever. My kids have been changed forever but it started first with me changing. And oftentimes we say, if they would just change, of then course. I could be the better version of myself. No, you become the better version of yourself and then watch what happens to everybody around you. You're a genius. That's the most outstanding answer I've ever heard. Number six. In this clip, Mark shares how he encouraged his children to hold him accountable, which led to a heightened level of vulnerability. 
I mean, I, I mean, I encourage everybody, you know, it's easy to fake it. It's hard to be real. And so one of the things, uh, you know, there were certain things I didn't like about myself that I, I, I knew was wrong after that moment. And after we started getting further down the way. And so, you know, one of the things I didn't like is, is that when I would put my kids to bed, I always had this, this phone, right? Yeah. And if it would ding or vibrate or whatever, I would look at it and it would break the connection I had with the kids. And I didn't like that. I knew it was wrong. Yeah. I just didn't know what to do about it. Like I, I couldn't like be, a, I, I was tethered to this thing. And so in one of our family meetings, I outed myself and said, I, I want to change this about me. And so I'm going to ask you guys to hold me accountable. If I look at my phone when I'm putting you to bed, you have permission in front of the whole family to take my phone from me. Okay. You have permission to take my phone. And if you want, you can even get up and take it into another room and then come back so that I can be present with you. Now, I'd love to say that didn't happen. It <laughs> happened and it happened again and it happened again and it probably happened a dozen times. And every time they were thrilled to take my phone from me and take it to another room. And I was embarrassed every time it happened. But after a while, it stopped happening because you know why? I just started leaving my phone in the other room to begin with. Yeah. I, I didn't need it all along, but I needed them to hold me accountable. And, and now my young adult children have no problem holding me accountable. Yeah. You know, they'll be like, hey, dad, I, I really think you didn't handle that situation quite the right way. And you should really think about it this way. Do you know how thankful I am to have people that love me yes. that are courageous enough to raise their hand and say, I think you could have been a better version of yourself right there? I love that. It's an, it's hard every time it happens. I'm like, it's a, it, you know, you got to step back and say, I asked for this, but they make me a better version of myself. You know, they, they literally hold me accountable to be the man and the father that I committed to be. And I want that. I want that from my coworkers. I want that from my kids, but so few people have the guts and courage to let other people and empower them and give yeah. them permission to do it and then respect it when they do do it. It's, it's a journey. It's not easy, but I'm so thankful I'm on the other side of that journey because I want them to hold me accountable. I want them to help me be the best version of myself. And I talk a lot about that in the book. I yeah. mean, that's one of the things I talk about is, you know, is, is having, okay. So we, in business, we, we want the dream team. Like there's a whole chapter in the book called the dream team. And we teach yep. people how they can put together a dream team. Well, what if your family is the ultimate dream team? You know, how would you treat them? How would you interact with them? How would you empower them to become this dream team? And that's some of what you and I have been talking about is, sure. is empowering your family to help you, you know, become the leader of this dream team. But in, in essence, in doing that, you know what I'm really doing? I'm teaching my kids how to take responsibility for their life. Yes. I'm teaching my kids how to be accountable for their life. I'm teaching my kids how to empower a future spouse or a colleague to help them be the better version of themselves because it's, it, it's caught, not taught. So I've got to walk the walk, uh, not just talk the talk. And, and so by me doing that, they're giving permission to themselves to become that person as well in their adulthood. Actually, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. <laughs> Number seven. In this clip, Mark defines winning at business as well as winning at home.
I mean, obviously in business, it's a lot easier because winning in business is making a sale, making a profit, growing. You know, at the end of the year, we can say, oh, my business did 10% more than it did last year. That's a win. My business made 10% more than it did last year. That's a win. And so, you know, so winning in business is easy to quantify. So winning at home is hard to quantify. And that's why I'm just going to say it because I lived it for well over a decade. I spent more time losing at home, you know, and so, and, and what losing at home looks like is a lot of drama at home, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of strained relationships, a lot of arguments and disagreements. And, you know, and, and what winning at home looks like is it doesn't mean that we still didn't disagree. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we still didn't have some tough moments. We just had a way of, we had a framework and a SOP, uh, a standard operating procedure. That's a business term, right? We had an SOP for dealing with these things. Let me give you an example. So with six kids, there were plenty of mistakes made that deserved punishment, okay? There were, you know, bad decisions made that we had to punish. And, and, and I'm not going to get into the, you know, is this right or wrong or whatever, but there needed to be some teaching in that regard. And so, you know, and that's, that sucked up a lot of energy for the family. So when we created this family business, we're like, okay, every Sunday night we have this family meeting. So we're going to have, we're going to create something called family court and family court is if something happens during that week that deserves punishment, instead of mom and dad doling out the punishment right there, whether it was grounding or whether it was whatever it was, you had to go in front of family court and you had to say what you did, why you did it, and why you're not gonna do it again. And after four or five family court sessions, number one, the younger children learn from the older children, this is not a fun experience, we're not going to get, we're not, we don't want to go to family court. <laughs> yes. And the, and the older kids were like, when they would screw up, they would look at us and go, just punish us, please, just please anything, but going in front of family court, because the, the punishment was being in front of your peers and yeah. saying what you did and owning your mistake and saying why you're not going to do it we rarely had to enforce much more punishment because if they did a good job with that, we let the family decide, you know, and have some say in the punishment, right? In the, the follow-up to it. And so, so it, it, it reduced the number of infractions greatly because they didn't want to go in front of family court, but most discipline is done in the dark. And what I mean by that is if one of your kids screws up, you take them to your bedroom and you, talk it out and punish them, whatever. But the other kids don't even know what's going on. Right. So imagine if it was this open family conversation where everybody gets to learn from the mistake. And so, you know, so my point is that's winning at home. Winning at home doesn't mean your kids aren't going to still make mistakes. It means that you have a, a standard operating procedure to deal with those so that everybody learns from it. And, and in a way that's a win. And so, you know, and then another thing we did is uh, we, so I, my wife and I coached soccer. Mm -hmm. And at one point we had multiple kids on the same team. And what we realized is, is that when a 
kid would score a goal, they'd be like, yeah, everybody would high five them and all of this stuff. And we're like, wait a minute. We, in practice, it's all about passing, 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 passing. And so we're like, okay, we're going to reverse this. If one of our kids, if not our kids, but if anyone on the team scores a goal, the kid who made the pass gets all the high fives. Love that. Because the kid who scored the goal gets the glory of the goal. That's enough. But the kid who made the pass, they get all the high fives. They run down the sideline and we're all high fiving them, not the kid who kicked the goal. Yeah. And so we started doing that at home. So basically, you came to a family meeting. If you found one of your siblings doing something cool and you shared it at the family meeting, you got rewarded, not the kid who did something cool. Okay. Because the kid who did something cool got the reward for doing something cool. But the kid who noticed that kid doing something cool got the reward. And, you know, that's how you win at home. It's not by your kids doing wonderful things. It's by the kid, the siblings noticing they're doing wonderful things and then telling the rest of the family about it. That's a win at home. And so I, I could go on and on and on and give you examples of this, but, you know, kids obviously learning that if they spend all their money the first three days of the month, then the rest of the month really stinks and learning how to make it to the end of the month and even have some left over to, to do good things for other people. That's winning at home. And so, you know, so, but it means you're going to lose for a while, you know I mean? Through that whole process. But, but I don't even consider that a loss because uh, remember it's like it, we, we created the framework to have all of these great discussions. When, when our kid, like I didn't even know that Nike had a custom shoe that you could put your name on it. Like uh, you can order it and actually have your name put on it. I didn't know that existed until one day a package shows up at our house and I open it up and it's got our son's name on it. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. And, you know, and he was like, oh, proud of himself. And he's like, yeah, look at me. I got custom Nikes with my name on it. And look at me. I'm so cool. And then the next Friday, his friends all wanted to go out to the movie. And he's like, hey, dad, uh, you know, I'm kind of a little light. I'm kind of a little light on my loafers here and uh, I need some, I need some love. And uh, I'm like, oh man, oh, that's really tough. You know, I mean, uh, did, did we remember to put money on your debit card at the beginning of the month? Yeah, 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 you did. And I'm like, wow, those shoes are amazing. I mean, those are just the coolest shoes ever. You know, is, is that where all your money went? Yeah, that was, that's where all my money went. And I'm like, hey man, I'm sorry. You got to tell your friends you can't go out. And so, you know, and it was, it was such a powerful lesson, but it wasn't one, like he couldn't argue with me. He couldn't oh, no. even get mad at me. You know, it was like, he's wearing the shoes. I put the money on his card. He spent all the money on the shoes. You know, it is what it is. And so, so we got to do lots of those kinds of conversations so that then when he's now, he's on his own, and he's been on his own for a while, what I don't want to do is for him to spend all his money that he needs for rent or food the, the fifth day of the month on some shiny object, and now he can't make rent, he can't buy food. I want that lesson to happen at home. And so winning at home is way different than winning at work, but it, it, it's real. And, and 
you can win at home like you win at work. The same lessons I'm talking about. If I went to work today and I spent all the business's money and I didn't have any money for payroll, that would be a problem. Lots of people would lose and it would be a really hard issue. So why, why not bring that lesson home? Awesome. Yes. Number eight. In this clip, Mark talks about the concept of letting your children fail. What I see right now, so many parents don't want their kids to fail. They do everything they can to keep them from failure. They want every possible way. And so what we came up with in our family, and it's a good, this is kind of a good way to wrap this up, yeah. is that we, we didn't want our kids to fail, but we, we let them fail. And we knew it was inevitable. And so with every failure, we would ask a simple question. What does this make possible? What is now possible because of this failure? And, and I will say that that one thing that we started doing has led to a lot of winning for our kids in life because they've learned that life is full of failures. And, and then they, they look at that failure. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. My, you know, my, uh, my oldest son, uh, he wanted to go to culinary school, but everything went virtual. And so he was going to have to do virtual culinary school. And he's like, dad, I just can't, I don't learn that way. I'm hands-on. And so he's like, I, I want to wait a semester. And as a result of that, you know, he, he pivoted to a different, you know, um, uh, occupational, you know, study. And it turned out to be the real, like, he feels like that was his real calling. So one door closes, what does this make possible? I can try this over here. And he's like, that's what I really wanted to do anyway. And I just didn't know it. And so, and it's just, I can go on and on and on with that. But the big thing is, is that let your kids fail. Let them yeah. fail under your roof. Don't be helicopter parents trying to keep them from failure. Real learning happens through failure. And the other thing is, you said, what does winning at home look like? It means leading. No business is successful without a good leader. I'll, I'll get, you can take almost any business that's super successful. There is a leader that's leading that effort and that company somewhere. And so many families are absent of that leadership. They're so tired and exhausted when they get home that leading their family is the last thing on their list. So being, bringing them the best and the first instead of the last and the least and leading your family like a business, like you would lead in business, that's what your family really needs. And so, you know, we, again, you know, I know the, the, uh, you know, the book was one of the reasons that we decided to, you know, do this interview. And so I do want people to, to get mentored to millions because these are all lessons. We, we teach a lot about business in the book, but this is what I do at the end of every chapter, I bring it back to your family. And so, you know, so, and I do believe that almost every business lesson you can apply back to your family. And I'll, I'll take the pressure off and say, if you're good at anything in work, you can be that good at home. If you're good at anything in work, you can be that good at home. So it's not like you have to learn, you know, the theory of relativity or the Pythagorean theorem or some crazy thing. It's like, if I'm good at something in work, I can be that good at home. And that's my premise. Just start being that good at home and, and, and take what you've learned in work and apply it at home. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. My biggest takeaways from Mark are that if you want to level up your business, you must learn to win at home first. You can radically change your family dynamic and your relationship with your spouse or significant other and children by running your family like a business. And this proves the mantra that people will always give a better effort when they have a say in the work 
that affects them. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for investing your time with us. Please let me know what you learned in the episode by hitting me up at Alan Stein Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. And make sure you check out MakeYourGamePlan.com for our killer student-athlete and coaching online courses. Until then, I'm wishing you the best as you raise and sustain your game.